Before we look into God's Word today, just had a couple of questions I thought would be a good place for us to start. And uh, of this last year, we're on the very last day of, of 2017, and of this last year, I'd like to have you think through this last year, and I, and I want you to think about this. What is the most significant event of this past year in your life? Just want, I just want you to start thinking about that, okay? Uh, the most significant event of this uh, past year in your life. Some of you, this might be something just snaps right now. Oh, wow, yeah, that. And for the others of you, you might, uh, you might have to sort through several things that have been pretty uh, major uh, challenges. And in, there might be some of us here that are they're like, man, nothing happened this year. <laughs> you know, you know, boy, my life is boring or uh, something like that. But, uh, but just, just spend a little bit of time thinking about uh, the, the most uh, significant event of this past year. And then kind of as you're rolling that around in your head and as you're thinking about that, I, I, I want to ask you a second question that kind of on top of that. From that event or from the, the circumstances that caused that event or perhaps from the circumstances that resulted from that event, what is the greatest lesson that you have learned in the past year? In other words, what, what did you learn from that? Uh, what did the Lord teach you from that? Uh, it, it might be uh, uh, something uh, of a deep spiritual nature that you really can't even quite put words to, but yet you, you know this that you didn't know before. And, uh, and, and, it, and it's a result of that event that you went through this last week, this last year, 2017. Now, as you're mulling that over, the greatest event of the last year or most significant event, and, and, and then you're, you're mulling over, okay, this, this lesson that you learned from that, whose face comes to your mind? Uh, who helped you the most in, in getting through that? Uh, who's, who's the person that was there for you? It might, it might have been, uh, you know, and I know we can real easily kind of cop out and just say, oh, the Lord. And, and I know that's, that's true, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I don't want to make light of that statement in any way. But, uh, but, and I know the Lord does help us get through these things and such, and, and we do have to lean upon him. But, but God uses people in our lives to, to, to help us and to be a, a, a blessing to us. And so I would ask you to, to think through that event and think, uh, who's the face that comes to my mind of the person that, that, uh, that helped me, that, that enabled me to, uh, to process that? They might have been asking me hard questions. They, they might have been someone at the time that I would have said, they are the last person I want to see right now. But, but they, uh, they, they helped you through uh, that uh, uh, series of events that you went through. It might be someone really close to you, your mate, perhaps your parent, maybe one of your children. And then it might be someone that you really don't, uh, uh, you're not exposed to that much, but, but, but they just happen to be there for you at that time, uh, a friend or, or, or someone that uh, was there for you. 
Now I've got a fourth question before we look into God's word today. And that is, who do you in your mind feel like that you were the greatest help to in the last year? Is, is there anybody in your mind, as you think through it, that you think to yourself, I, I, I think I helped this person. Uh, I, I tried to be there for that person. Or, or did everything just come to you and nothing go out? <laughs> there was no effort on your part to make a difference into someone else's life. And, uh, but think through, uh, again, uh, those, those four questions, uh, the most significant event of this last year. You might want to ponder this this afternoon and, and, and think about this a little bit this afternoon. Uh, the, the person, uh, the most significant uh, uh, event of this last year, uh, the greatest lesson that you, that you learned from it, and, and then uh, uh, who, who helped you the most uh, to, to get through that, and then who have you been the most helped to? Just those four questions. I want you to be pondering those questions as we consider this verse, and this is a, a simple statement uh, somewhat found in Proverbs chapter 18. It's the, the last verse of Proverbs 18. Uh, oftentimes proverbs build upon one another sometimes they do not build upon one another but most of the proverbs will stand alone by themselves and teach us something though there might be verses around it that complement it Uh, this is especially true once you get to proverbs chapter 10 the first 10 chapters of proverbs are a series of poems that are designed to cause us to recognize the value of God's wisdom. But then once you get to uh, Proverbs chapter 11, then you just have a a series of Proverbs that are somewhat related to one another, but not necessarily related in context directly to one another. And they cover a number of different subjects that are vital and important for life. This is a proverb that I memorized a long time ago, and I memorized it from the King James Version, and I memorized it... uh, Pretty close to what you see right here. For a man to have friends, is the way I memorized it. For a man to have friends, he must show himself friendly. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so I, I, I memorized this uh, proverb, and, uh, and I considered it, and, and, uh, and, and, and thought about it, and pondered what it might mean uh, to me as a person. And, and as I kind of memorized it, the way I kind of thought about it was something to the effect of... Uh, you know, uh, you can't expect to have friends if you're not a friendly person yourself, something like that. And then, uh, and yet there are friends that are better than other friends, and they're the best kind of friends to have. And so I, I kind of memorized it that way. And, and the King James uh, kind of a little bit misses exactly what it is that this proverb is saying. And so I, here it is in the uh, English Standard Version, and, uh, or uh, this is uh, somewhat reflective of what the New International Version says. It's also somewhat reflective of what the American Standard or New American Standard might say. And uh, so this is kind of the more common uh, rendering from uh, the newer translations that are out there. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, uh, as we begin to look at it here, we begin to realize that what this uh, proverb is saying is a little bit more complicated than just uh, advice on on how to make friends. You know, if you want to have friends, you've got to be a nice guy yourself. Uh, And it sounds as though this proverb is saying not something necessarily about 
uh, how to have uh, uh, a large number of friends, but that this proverb might be saying something about the uh, nature of the friendships that you uh, do have. And uh, there, there is something rather interesting here that takes place that kind of helps us to see a little bit of what's going on. The word here, uh, uh, companion, uh, we're going to talk more about it a little bit later on, but the word here for uh, companion is a, is a Hebrew word, uh, and the Hebrew word is ra'eh, ra'eh. And then, and then following ra'eh is, is uh, the word that, uh, for, uh, that, that is said, said something to the effect of uh, may come to ruin. The word ruin actually comes from this particular uh, Hebrew word, and it, it came over to Latin, and from Latin it ended up in Greek, and then we even use a, a somewhat a little bit of a form of it even now in the way we say it. And, and so it's uh, rea to rea. It's a word play. It, it, it's kind of like, it, they kind of like echo each other. And, and a guy who is a rea uh, might come to reu. <laughs> and it, it's kind of a, a word play taking place here. And the, the idea of the word uh, uh, come to ruin, it, it's the word uh, that we might use broken. Broken. In other words, relationships often lead, and especially a multitude of relationships, can, can often lead to a, a revelation in our lives of just how broken our world is. I'll just ask it to you this way. Have any of you had a relationship in the last year that reminded you of how broken our world is? You know, you, 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 you had a, a friend or, or somebody or someone and, and, uh, and, uh, and it didn't quite go as smoothly as you wished it would. Uh, this is a little bit of something that's interesting that comes up in Proverbs that kind of goes along with this. Uh, in, in the book of Proverbs, it talks a lot of different times about how, the, how that money can help you in the friendship department. In fact, it, it says in one place, a guy that has a lot of money will have a lot of friends. But then it says a guy that's poor, even his friends will leave him. And uh, you think about that story of the uh, prodigal son. He went out and he went to town. He had a party. And while he had that party, there was a lot of people that wanted to be around him. There was a lot of people that wanted to be in his company. There was a lot of people. But, but once that ran out, uh, his friends kind of ran out as well. And, and, and that's a little bit of the idea of this uh, ruin that comes up here. Now, in the way I memorize this verse in the King James, it says, for a man to have friends, he must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticks closer to a brother, and the word friend is kind of repeated here. But, but in the, uh, the, the RSV, it, it uses uh, two different words here. It, it uses the word, a man of many companions will come to ruin, but there is a friend. And in other words, there, there's kind of like two different words, the word companion that is in the front half of this verse, and then the word friend that's in the, the last half of this verse. It's kind of interesting to note that, uh, that that's consistent with what the writer of Proverbs is saying here. He's actually bringing up two different kind of ideas. The word companion here is, is often translated in the Bible for the word neighbor. 
In fact, I've, I've got you a little uh, chart here that shows you all of this, and it kind of gives you a, a guide. Now, you can't read all the numbers here, but uh, you can see the different colors here. Okay, the word uh, over here in red, that's the number of times this word companion appears, that it's translated into an English version, uh, the word friend. But uh, the blue shows the number of times that it's translated the word uh, neighbor. And then the orange kind of shows you the number of times that it's translated countrymen or, or something of that nature. And, uh, and so about, if you look at it here, about two-thirds of the time, this word isn't translated at all, friend. It's actually translated neighbor or countryman or, or associate or, or, or someone that you, that you recognize or someone that might recognize you. Uh, you, you have this happen all the time. Uh, I got a, a text message yesterday uh, uh, or the day before from uh, a friend of mine, uh, and he said, hey, getting ready to go into the theater, and I saw Ben and Sarah. And, uh, and they uh, texted me and said they were going to watch this movie, and, and I, I got kind of a, a chuckle out of it uh, because uh, little Cyrus was on the floor playing in our house. Uh, and I, and I, I thought to myself, that's cool. Now, the person that texted me this knows Ben but doesn't really know Ben. They're, they're, they're associates. He recognizes him, but, but it's, they're friends, I guess, but not more than that. That's kind of the idea to this word companion. Just translated. I, there's a place that's used in the book of Genesis that's kind of interesting. Uh, one of this 12 sons of, uh, of Jacob, uh, Judah, has, has moved away from home. Now, uh, he moves away from home immediately following the event where Joseph is sold into slavery. So uh, the, the Joseph is sold into slavery. The brothers come back. They tell their father that Joseph's dead, or they, they're not sure if he's dead, but they found this bloodied coat of many colors. And, and their, their father weeps and mourns and cries and, and immediately following that, we find out that Judah moves away from home. Now, I, I can imagine a little bit the scene. Judah is like, ah, oh, man, you know, I can't live this lie. And, 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 and seeing dad in this condition is, is hard. And so he moves away uh, approximately 30 or so miles from where his dad is. And the text tells us that. And he gets there and he marries this gal and... And he has uh, some sons by this gal, and, and, and these sons grow up, and one of them's going to get married, and so they marry off this boy, and, and, and that boy dies. And it was a custom in that day, that to, in order to provide an heir, that, that you would give your next son to, to the, the wife of your first son, and so that they might provide an heir. And, and so the second son uh, takes this gal that was married to the older boy as his wife. But he dies. In fact, the text tells us he dies in, in God's judgment. He has a third son, Judah does, but Judah doesn't want to give his third son to this gal. He's kind of worried uh, just exactly what might happen to her. Him, rather. But then his wife dies. And this is where the word companion comes in. The text tells us that Judah has a companion by the name of Hira. And, and Judah sees a woman at the side of the road and Hira gives him a plan. 
And Judah uh, executes that plan and, and has a, an illicit relationship with this woman. And, and there's a the deal struck on, on how he's going to pay her back. And he sends the money by Hira, his companion. And Ira gets there, and, and he can't find her. And so he looks for her, and he asks the different people for her, and no one can tell where he's at. So he goes back to Judah, and, and Judah says, I don't know what we're going to do. And Ira says, ah, just forget it, let's go on. And, and we see what kind of guy Hira is. He's a friend of expediency. He's not a friend that's going to help Judah to become what he should be. He's a friend of expediency. A, a friend that will simply help Judah do what he wants to do with no real thought as to what Judah wants to do, whether it's the right thing to do or not. How many of those kind of friends do you have? Yes, people. Wingmen. They'll just go along with whatever you want to do. They'll help you pull it off. But they're not going to challenge you to have any kind of character. They're not going to actually encourage you to do the right thing. They're going to just kind of cover for you. They'll back your story up. They'll help you with your alibi. They might even suggest other things to do that aren't necessarily in your best interest as far as in your walk with the Lord. But they're there for you. That's the kind of word that this word here, companion, is talking about. And, and the text says, a man of many of these kinds comes to ruin. Uh, there's a whole lot of people out there that uh, will encourage you to go with the flow. But I just want to ask you the question, is that really all you want out of life? is to just go with the flow. Just don't bring much attention to yourself. Just get what you can out of life. Do something that's fun and pleasurable. And again, I'm, I'm not opposed to these things, but, but they should not be our number one priority. Just fill out your bucket list. Is that all you want out of life? Well, there's people that will help you do that. If that's all you want. But the text tells us a man of many companions comes to ruin. Life will break you down. But there's a second half to this uh, proverb. It says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
Now, this second word, friend, is, is a completely different word. It's actually not translated friend very many times in all of the Old Testament. It's actually most often used not in the noun form that is here, but it's actually most often used in its verbal form. And the verbal form that it is most often translated is the word love. Here it is, here. Uh, If you'll note, uh, to love is the red at the top. Uh, To love in the sense of caring is the blue all the way around. Uh, there, There is a little bit of a negative connotation in the orange where it has the idea of an illicit kind of love. But then see the little kind of a a light brown area, small little chunk, friend. It's only only total there. It's it's like twice in all the Old Testament, possibly a third time that it could be translated friend. The vast majority of time, it's it's translated with the idea of, of caring, uh, uh, compassion, uh, looking out for, concern, uh, doing what's best in, in the uh, uh, view for the other person. I'll give you one example. It's a negative example, but it helps you to understand uh, uh, how the word is used. There, there's a statement found in the book of Genesis again where it says that, that, that Jacob loved Esau Excuse me, excuse me, not Jacob. That Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. In other words, these two parents, one of them favored one son and the other favored the other son. And that's the idea to this word. Now that's a very negative verse, but it gives you the idea. The, the, the notion of looking out for and favoring or doing what you can for that person. It's actually used that way a number of times in, in the book of Proverbs itself. It's, it's used with the, the notion of showing uh, kindness or favor or, or, or love to another person. And, and, and yet in this particular statement in, in Proverbs 18, it's, it's reflective of the kind of person that is, is, is to be counted on for you. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, the, the New Testament word that would probably fit well for this word is the word phileo, not agape, but phileo. And, and it, it's the brotherly uh, love of acting toward other people and doing what is, uh, is best for them by way of my actions toward them. What's interesting is that uh, the little word here, sticks, there is a friend who, who sticks closer than a brother. That, that word sticks is a, is, a, is a very good word to have found in this translation because that's actually the idea of that word. It's used, it, it's found or, or been developed out of the idea of, of being like a glue. Now, so there's kind of a pair of word plays taking place here. Uh, the first is, is the raha to the Rahu, and that's a word play of, 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 of 
that you would hear with your, hear, with your ear. That's an, that's an audio wordplay. But there's, a, there's also a, a picture wordplay. The idea of one leads to things that are broken apart, the other leads to things that are, that are stuck together. Two things relationships can do. They can take apart your life, your testimony, your integrity, or they can help you put it together. They can, they can help you uh, form it together. Uh, Kevin Sowers is going to be working on a deal uh, on Friday mornings down at Tarwaters where he works. They're going to, they're going to be having a, a, a thing for men. It's a number of the guys from Tarwaters uh, themselves have been invited to it, but it's, but it's actually open to other people. It's just on Friday mornings before, before you go to, to work in the morning. It's going to last, what time, like 6.50 to 7.20? Yeah, about 30 minutes. And, and, it, and it's just simply called Uncommon. Uh, uncommon men, uh, and we've been advertising a little bit, and it, it's just a 30-minute opportunity for, for guys to, to get together and to, and to challenge one another to be men, to be men in the workplace, to be men in their families, to be, to be men in their lives, to have a little bit of integrity, to have a little bit of character, to, to, to challenge each other to just simply do the right thing. Right out of this verse. There is a, a friend. Now, one of the things that stands out is that in this particular verse, the uh, first word, companions, is in a plural sense, and the second word, friend, is in a singular sense. In other words, the first word is looking at a multitude. The second word is looking at a singular. And, and I think that's really a fascinating way to look at friendship. Uh, I want everybody to like me. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not. I, I prefer people to like me. Uh, I, I don't know if you're the same way or not. I, I would just soon be liked as not liked. And, and to be liked is, is a good thing in my mind. And so a lot of times we can control uh, our relationships by, will these people like me if I do this? That's looking at the group and how the group is going to respond. But when you look at it in a singular way, it changes everything. I'm not interested in Charlene liking me in that sense because that's no longer on the table. I, I, I know the level of her commitment toward me as a person. Uh, as far as our relationship now, it, it's much more... Uh, developed then does she like me i remember back when i was flirting with her she was uh, 20 years old she didn't know much better and uh, and and i and i tricked her into liking me that's long since off the table she knows me now in fact when i do that now she says okay what'd you do what'd you break uh, you know what and, and so we and so i know pretty you know she knows pretty quick when i'm trying to uh, uh pull something over no now the issue is what is best for her. What is best, not really even for her, what is best for us. What, what, will, what will bring the greatest uh, 
value to our relationship, to our home, and to, and to the progress we make together as a couple. See, there is a friend who sticks closer to it. In fact, the, the Proverbs goes on to say it something like this. Uh, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, you really know someone cares about you and wants what's best for you when they're willing to say something to you that hurts because they're saying it for your own good, for your own benefit, for for the sake of, of, of you as a person. There, there are just a, a number of different uh, uh, ideas that, that come up out of that. But, but notice here, there's a particular uh, 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 notion that comes up out of this passage. A friend sticketh closer than a brother. Now, I wish I had my little chart on the word brother here. Uh, I, I've got all the verses where the word brother appears uh, in, in the book of Proverbs, uh, and I could, I could give them all to you, and you could look them all up. But, but essentially, uh, you, you look in Proverbs 6.19 and 7.2 and 17 and, and 18 verse 9 and 18 verse 19 and, and this verse that we're looking at here and 19 verse 7 and, and, and 27 verse 10. And what you come to the realization is that the way the writer of the book of Proverbs uses the word brother, they're not speaking of it in a biological sense. Uh, the, the, the writer of Proverbs is using the word brother in, in something much deeper than a biological sense. They're, they're, they're using the term brother in, in a sense of someone that you can lean on. Someone that you can trust. Someone that has your best interest and they're going to be there with you no matter what. I, I love it the way it says it this way in Proverbs seventeen seventeen. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. In other words, the notion there is that this is someone that's not going to give up on you. I, 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 is, it, is it not obvious that this is how the Lord is? Scott, come up here. Come on up here, Scott. Come on up here, Scott. <laughs> yeah, come on up here. Bring anybody you want with you. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get him to come. Come on, Scott. Bring her with you. <laughs> Karen, you can't skip out. You've got to come up here too, okay? Scott, we've kind of kept a secret from you here oh, for about I a guess, month or so. I guess so. It, you, it was, but, uh, but Scott, I'm here to tell you something right now. You are a brother. And we all feel this way about you. You're a brother. Scott, we want to be there for you. Getting ready to go out on another year. We don't know what this year's going to bring. But we, we want you to know we, we want to be here for you. Okay? And if it's okay with you, next Sunday is pretty close to your birthday, and we're going to declare it Scott Keefit Day. Okay? Your birthday's the 9th, and next Sunday we're just going to call it Scott Keefit Day, and we're all going to wear camo just for you. There okay? All right. <laughs> so.
There we go. And, uh, but as I thought about this verse, and as I studied this verse this week, uh, my desire was that we as a church family could be an encouragement to you, Scott. Because uh, the reality is, we're family. Amen. Okay? We are. Yeah. Couldn't ask for a better family. Yeah. Hey, can we pray with you right now, Scott? Uh, Father, we just want to pray for our brother right here. Uh, someone that has a lot of companions, it can come to ruin. <laughs> just going out trying to find a bunch of people that you can get to like you, that's, that's one thing. But to be a true friend, someone that cares about other people, someone that truly wants what's best for others, Wow, that's special. Lord, we thank you that we know that Jesus is ultimately our friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in him. And I, and I know that's the kind of relationship Scott has with you. And yet, Lord, we as a body of believers can stand for, encourage, and be with one another. And we just pray for Scott, Caitlin, Jeremy, and Karen as they have this next week together, it'll just be a week of joy and happiness. And uh, Lord, we pray as we look to the year ahead that we might find someone that we could be an encouragement to and that we could come alongside that person and be a true, real friend like Jesus would be and like Scott is to so many of us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.